Welcome to Commander's Brew. Sean speaking. How may I help you? <laughs> I changed up how I said the intro and I just sounded like I was answering a phone. This is not the phone. This is the podcast. This is the Commander's Brew podcast. I've been thinking a lot. I'm going right into it. I've been thinking a lot about what this podcast is about. We've been around like six years, something like that. I'm looking for a way to just identify like what are the Commander's Brew values? Fun brews, definitely. Not taking things too seriously, definitely. Budget stuff, definitely. One thing I don't talk about a lot that I think is, I really do think is a core part of the Commander's Brew values is kind of teaching you something, showing you something, helping you think about Commander a different way. Um, you know, like walking through how how a deck is made. I like to just... You know how it is. Uh, I've said it before. I, I think I'll start saying it again. I'm not going to give you a deck. I'm going to teach you to deck. When I take a commander, I'm hoping to just say, well, here are the things you probably should obviously do. And then when you want to get a little crazy, here's some kind of sideways takes. I love a creative brew. And each week I shout out some of the people in our Discord who help out, who are also... I mean, I feel a connection with everyone in there. We like to brew. We like to look at things differently. Cre creativity is important. So I like to think there's something for a relatively new commander player with sort of the foundational structure, how cards lead into other colors, colors, and something for a more experienced brewer where I've got ideas maybe you haven't thought of before, helping to expand the way you look at cards, I hope. That's the goal. That's what's been on my mind lately. In addition to that, Warhammer 40,000. Warhammer 40 times 10 times 10 times 10. 40 to the power of 100. 1,000? Is that how powers work? If you go to the power of 10, do you just add a zero? No, that's when you multiply it. Bad at math. I think I'm okay at math. I just have forgotten some of the more nuanced, higher level stuff. I, I enjoy math. Anyway. 40,000 universes beyond. These are very powerful commander decks. I'm for the main episode after the ad break, I'm going to talk about some of the more interesting commanders from there. I'm not going to go into all the reprints or the special unique cards, although I could. I guess I'll just generally touch on that idea here. This is this is something. These commander decks are they seem pushed. The reprints are very powerful. The new legendaries they've invented seem really pushed. I will make those comments when I go to the episode, but like we've got stuff happening here that I have to ask myself, are they doing this because they want to lock this in as a successful product? Because let me tell you, it's going to sell like crazy. It's already selling out places. People are not getting as many as they wanted. People are already having a hard time getting them. I don't know what singles will cost because I don't think they have to print these in other sets. If I am understanding correctly, and I may not be because these rules keep changing the philosophies, the policies, I cannot keep up, or rather I'm choosing to not keep up because it changes too much. That goes back into the values here. I am not interested in being like the cutting edge idea of commander. I want to have a good time. I want to brew fun decks. And these new sets have cards that are fun to brew around, and it creates a tension where I really want some of these commanders. You know, TLDR, Magnus the Red is the coolest commander for me and the way I like to play. I want a copy of that. I'm not going to get the commander deck because I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight to get it. I'll buy the single. But how much is that single going to be? If these 
sets don't get cracked that much. And if people would rather keep them, this is going to be like a $20, $30 card. I don't know. On the subject of themes, I don't think I have a problem with other stuff getting into magic like Warhammer, for example. If they do a good enough job, and I think they have, of transferring the themes of other IPs into the themes of magic IPs, like what I mean to say is if the ideas of Warhammer can be conveyed in a way that feels Warhammer in the rules of magic, power and toughness, combat steps, instant sorceries. I'm not a Warhammer person, but I understand the cascade theme really evokes pulling stuff from chaos. There's like a chaos element of Warhammer. Sorry to all you Warhammer fans. That's just not something I ever found myself into. But I understand the lore has a bit of a chaos realm that stuff appears from, I think. I'm thinking Protoss from Starcraft. But that's that's Cascade. Cascade sounds perfect for that. So kudos. This works great. You know, and a lot of times when I think about decks, when I brew things, a lot of it is the machine, the gears. I do like to think of it differently. I like to put those gears together in ways maybe we don't see too often. I like to avoid the common ways to do things, but they are gears in a machine and it's a bit reductive. So I don't always think of a lightning bolt as an actual lightning bolt. That's probably a bad example because that's probably the one time that is the most accurate from card to theme. But like, I don't know, Raph Capuchin, I don't, I'm not thinking of a person. Well, see, you know, I'm, I'm talking out loud. I guess I kind of think, imagine he's like, bringing a bunch of artifacts in a big bag kind of thing. Whew. I started this wanting to say that I don't think about the cards and what they do a lot, but I guess I'm learning that I do. I've obviously never gotten my hands on these universes beyond cards. I've not bought any secret layers with other things on them. The closest I've come is, I guess, playing on Arena, where they have the Godzilla version of a lot of cards from Ikoria. And it doesn't bother me because it's a little bit, but I suppose at the end of the day, this game is fun brewing decks is fun commander is the best because you get to do whatever you want and you can do whatever you want so i think let's let more ips get in there i know we all get to make the joke of how there's that cardboard crack comic strip where a whopper someone's playing with a whopper and we've joked on this podcast before i think i invented a card called the chief from carmen san diego and i do maintain that a little carmen san diego vibe secret layer i don't know i don't know how they do this again i'm not trying to keep up on all the ways things work because i i just i don't care to that's not what you're here for for me to explain everything but i would love some carmen san diego cards i think that would be so cool what would carmen san diego be as a card should have to be red, right? Anyway, Warhammer 40k. To sum up, powerful decks. I love when more powerful cards get into the system. I worry that they're not going to print as much as I think they should. They Is it an unlimited release? I don't know if these always are. And even when things are an unlimited release, sometimes it feels like it's not unlimited because places sell out and that shouldn't happen if it's unlimited. But I do hope that a lot more of these cards get into the system. I do hope they keep printing very powerful cards that you can do cool stuff with. I am a little bit worried that the power level is increasing the graph. Like power creep is a thing and the graph is climbing faster for this set. I hope that this is a one shot blip 
to sell product to make people think that Universe Bound is cool. You like this, right? Remember, you liked 40K. I hope that that's the move here. Maybe they'll pull back. They've done this before where they introduce a product like the first commander decks were pretty powerful. And then there was a complaint that some of them got less powerful. Am I crossing my wires? There was some this happens all the time. I think the double masters is where I'm getting this from. The first double masters was bonkers. And then the next one wasn't quite as big. You get my point, even if I'm wrong on the details. Magic is great right now. Commander is great right now. Let's keep it great for as long as possible. Play what you love. I'm going to get off my soapbox. Thank you for listening. Do a bit of business, have an ad break, and then I'll come back and I'll talk about just the interesting legendaries and a couple of ideas for each of them. Some jokes, some legit ideas. So thank you for listening. I do appreciate it. A like and subscribe on YouTube is much appreciated. I would love if you could do that. Telling a friend, good reviews, using the TCG player link if you're buying cards. Patreon.com slash Commander's Brew. If you want to support the show and you got a couple bucks to do so, that is the best way to do it. Now let's hear some ads. One fake, one real. Do you want to earn some extra income? Do so as a delivery driver for Darksteel Deliveries. Just sign up for our seven-week certification course on how to drive Darksteel vehicles, and you can make your own hours and be your own boss. Minimum 48 hours per week, you still have other bosses, and you get to go to the bathroom in a bottle. And now the real ad from the Wizard's Tower. WizardTower.com, your place for strategy articles and deck techs. And if you're viewing from Canada, you can use coupon code BREWUNITED to get 5% off your magic singles, if you spent $20 or more. Now, back to the show. Okay, let's get to these 40k legendaries. I'm going to do this in color order. So we'll get the monocolored ones first, then we'll do the two-colored, then we'll end with the three-colored ones. I'm not going to do every single one. I'm going to skip a few that are a little bit on the simple side, ones that don't really have any key obvious brews ones that are you know especially spicy i think i'm gonna start with a mono black commander illuminator zeras zeras two and a black legendary artifact creature necron the ability is called secrets of the soul so for this three mana three three you can tap to sacrifice another creature and add an amount of black mana equal to the sacrificed creature's mana value Okay, this is interesting. There's a lot of black creatures that cost a lot of mana but have significant reductions. Avatar of Woe comes to mind. It's an 8 mana 6-5 avatar, but it costs 6 less if there's 10 or more creature cards in all graveyards, which means this costs black black. You pay black black to cast an avatar of Woe, Illuminator, Zeras, sacrifices her, and now you've netted 6 mana. You've made 8 back. You know what I mean? You made six back. You got eight, but you spent two, right? Economics. Gorex the Tomb Shell, very similar. Six black black for a legendary zombie turtle. Four four. And as an additional cost, you can exile creature cards from your graveyard. And it costs two less to cast for each card exiled this way. Another example of having some creatures in your graveyard, you can cast this eight mana creature for just two black. Torgar, Famine Incarnate, sack creatures on the battlefield. 8 mana drops to 2 mana, the same as before. And as well, this time, up to 1 target player's life total becomes half their starting life total rounded down. Marsh Mist Titan, 6 and a black, cost X less where your X is devotion to black. This is a mono black commander deck, so that would probably be a lot. Writhing Necromass, straight out of the brand new Dominary United, one of those big creatures that just gets smaller for the number of creature cards in your graveyard. The cost gets smaller, that is. Seven down to one. 
We're still netting six. Six seems to be the line. Until you get to Shadow of Mortality, that's 13 black black, but your life total has to be less than your life total, your starting life total, and it costs X less to cast, where X is the difference. And in Commander, you only have to be 13 down from 40, which is very reasonable. So this nets you 13 mana if you can cast this 7-7. So I think... And now now the question is just, what do you want to do with all of that? It's however however you want to deal with that mana. I'm not going to tell you what to do with that mana. That's for you to decide when you brew that deck. But pretty interesting. I got to bring up Trazin the Infinite for Black Black Legendary Artifact Creature Necron. You get a 4-6 with Death Touch. And you've got Prismatic Gallery. As long as Tazrin the Infinite is on the battlefield... It has all activated abilities of all artifact cards in your graveyard. This is ridiculous. I think, so you, let's say you got any mana rock, let's say a Dreamstone Hedron, you're going to tap it for three. Now Tazrin taps for three colorless. If you've got a Staff of Domination in the graveyard, you can pay a single mana to untap Tazrin the Infinite and tap Tazrin for three. This is basically like Basalt Monolith combo, like... It's infinite right in the command zone. It's so easy to do. And then I noticed this dude's name, Tazrin the Infinite. Like, I'll admit, I don't know a lot about 40k. Did they, is this character named the Infinite? And then they just decided to make an infinite engine in there? Or did this come around backwards? Do you know what I mean? Whew. So, I mean, what do you do? It's a monoblock deck. You make infinite mana, Torment of Herald, Fire, Exsanguinate. I don't know. But I do know it's about the journey and not the destination. So whatever you do in between, how you get the things in your graveyard, that's the interesting part about it. I gotta mention Karn. Karn. There's a little there's a little hat on the A in Karn, the Betrayer. Three in a red. Legendary Astartes Berserker. Can you tell I don't play 40k? I've never said these words before. This must be what it's like when people come into magic for the first time and are you saying words that are like nonsense words anyway you get a 5-1 attacks or blocks each combat if able interesting that you have to block 5-1 so if anything attacks and you have to block something bad is like this thing will take lethal damage whenever you lose control of karn draw two cards Weird that they put that next because then one after that says if damage would be dealt to karn prevent that damage and an opponent of your choice gains control of it you're going to be attacking and or blocking yeah it's really hard because he doesn't have haste so people can attack you and you have to block with this like you hardly ever get to attack in with that five power attacker anyway you're going to get hit you're going to pass this to an opponent who you choose and you're going to draw two cards this is humble defector's older brother from college just doing everything way bigger and way stronger moving on to some dual colored new commanders this is inquisitor eisenhorn two blue black human inquisitor two three you may reveal the first card you draw each turn as you draw it okay whenever you reveal an instant or sorcery this way create cherubiel a legendary 4-4 black demon creature token with flying. So this is now Delver of Secrets, older brother from college, just doing massive 
uh, legendary 4-4 creature tokens. It is legendary, so you can't keep doing this every turn, but I think the second ability is the most interesting here. Whenever Inquisitor Eisenhorn deals combat damage to a player, investigate that many times. So we've got a 2-3 with no evasion, but we can pump this up with equipment we can give it evasion unblockability something like that and then just make a ton of clues at once i think the instant and sorcery thing is like it doesn't feel like it fits it doesn't seem like the same thing like it belongs on the card i'm, I'm sure it does for whoever this person is in the world of warhammer but we're gonna i think what you want to do is make this a voltron commander to just make a ton of clues now clues have diminishing returns after a dozen or so like there there comes a point where you just can't spend enough mana to crack all of them sure at the end of every turn i'll crack one or two because i didn't use the mana but you just can't get through dozens of them in a game so that's where we got to look them as pieces for other things a tamio's journal means you can tutor a card every single turn because you probably have plenty of clues maybe you've got a clock of omens so you can tap two of them to untap another artifact now we can keep untapping gilded lotuses to get like tons and tons of mana maybe we can untap a Koldotha forge master to sack three of those clues to tutor up an artifact of our choice and like set ourselves up for any kind of combo we want heck maybe just even untap tamio's journal to tutor up a second card we could tutor a few cards in a turn and just set up whatever combo we want the combo potential for this thing is through the roof i want to bring your attention to lucius the eternal and i want to kind of give my props to the designers of this this specific card lucius the eternal is a five mana rakdos five three legendary astartes warrior three black red five three with haste and here's your ability armor of shrieking souls creepy when lucius the eternal dies exile it and choose target creature and opponent controls okay when that creature leaves the battlefield return lucius from exile to the battlefield under its owner's control so you never have to pay commander tax you never have to pay for the casting cost after one time uh because presumably you'll put it under another creature you'll leave it in exile and now every removal spell is like a way to cast your commander again you also have haste so you can attack and then if they if it looks like they're going to trade cool i'll just put under another creature i just think this is a nice elegant design it's very simple uh it asks you to run a lot more removal which is nice uh and if we are doing this plan if we're exiling it under a creature our opponent controls our opponents have an opportunity to really work and try to kind of screw our plan up to try to make it so we can't get Lucius back. And then there's a lot of fun gameplay there. This is not a super powerful commander, but I like it a lot. If you're looking to put together a more simple deck and you're going to buy singles from this, and that this, I think this is a great one that could be good for someone getting into the game or in a low power meta. I really appreciate the design of this card. Death Leaper Terror Weapon is two red green for a legendary Tyranid 3-3 with flash and haste. Creatures you control that enter the battlefield this turn have double strike. I don't think we need to go too deep on this, but obviously Rhythm of the Wild, anything to give your team haste, because if, if your team has haste, you can cast it, attack with it right away, and it will have double strike because it entered this turn. So obviously things like Rhythm of the Wild so that all of our non-tokens have Riot, and we will choose the haste version of that. Maybe a simple enchantment like Fervor to just give all your creatures haste 
as a default, maybe have anger in the graveyard with a mountain, something like that. And of course, uh, the Xenogod is incredible with this because the two of these combined now they're not just getting double power toughness and trample. They're also getting double strike. <clears throat> Come on, man. This thing is, it just hits, it's hits so hard. Nayam Shai Murad, two white, black, three, three legendary human rogue. This is a very cool card. The ability is called Rogue Trader. Whenever Nayam Shai Mirad deals combat damage to a player, you may have that player return target permanent card from their graveyard to their hand. You may. So I hit you with this creature and I'm like, hey, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say you're going to return a permanent of your choice because that player returns target permanent from their graveyard. I guess they do the targeting. Now I'm confused. I, I'm assuming they target their own thing. It goes to their hand. And if I do that, then that player chooses a permanent card in your graveyard and you put it under the battlefield under your control. Oh, I see. N sorry, I got bad. These cards, there's too much going on. I hit you with Nam Shai Mirad. I choose a permanent in your graveyard and then you choose a permanent in my graveyard. The one I choose for you goes back into your hand. The one you choose for me goes under the battlefield under my control. So obviously, if we're vicious opponents who hate each other i'm going to pick your worst worst thing and you're going to pick my worst worst thing i get an edge because mine goes onto the battlefield whereas yours goes onto your hand and i'm probably going to choose something that you can't use that well um you give me an extra land i'll take it i think that's even fine obviously this is a super cool political orzov card yet another one in the list of orzov political cards because you can make deals now you'd be like hey if you let me hit you with this, I'll give you back. You, you, I'll let you talk to me and we can figure out what I can give you back. But you got to give me something good back that I can use on someone else, for example. That's that's a super interesting thing, too. But there is another angle where you can like just max out on like delve cards, murderous cut, for example. You can exile cards out of your graveyard to cast it. So you exile extra permanence. Um, Timurit, chosen from death, activated ability, remove two cards from a graveyard, exile two cards from a graveyard. So you can cherry pick your graveyard and make sure that it's exactly stocked with only one permanent. So they have to choose that one and it goes right back to the battlefield. Sure, I'll give you your land back, but you have to give me the thing that I've chosen in there. And there's lots of cool cards that let me put specific things if I don't want to do it the hard way, right? Obviously, there's a million discard effects. You can like discard a card to do things, um, loot type of things. But I can cast Unmarked Grave. That's a sorcery for one and a black. Search your library for a non-legendary card. Put it into your graveyard and shuffle. Cool. There's a permanent that I get back by choice final parting is a five minute sorcery where you tutor up two cards one goes in your hand one goes in your graveyard same deal i mean classic entomb right it's that single black instant this is also awesome because it is instant speed so we can cast it kind of right before things go down um it's pretty it's a 30 dollar card but no restriction i can put anything in my graveyard even a creature like Burning Rune Demon, four black black for the Demon Berserker, six six with flying. When this enters, you may search your library for exactly two cards not named Burning Rune Demon that have different names. If you do reveal those cards, an opponent chooses one of them, put one into your hand and the other into your graveyard. We're going to choose two awesome permanents, and one of them will be in our graveyard, which will be gotten back by Neam Shai Murad. And then 
I'm set up for the next turn. Like maybe Burning Room Demon already came out of the graveyard and I got something in my hand too. Seems pretty cool. I think I'd like to play around that way. There's some fantastic is it cards here. Geisen Starn Kellender, Keller Morph. Whew. One blue red legendary Tyranid human. You got Ward 2 and you're a 3-2. The ability is called Three Auto Stubs. I'm going to assume based on the art that an auto stub is a gun. Uh, this dude has three arms and three pistols. Whenever another source you control deals exactly one damage to a permanent or player, Gerson Starn Keller Morph deals two damage to that permanent or player. So another source deals one somewhere, exactly one. Gerson deals two more. So it turns pings into lightning bolts. But it works for everything. So this dude will shoot himself in the face if you do something like a pyrohemia and do one damage exactly to each permanent and player or each creature on the battlefield, <laughs> which is weird. Those auto stubs, those arms are flinging around everywhere. He can't control where it goes. But I think the interesting thing here is that Gearson is the one doing the extra two damage. So now, like, if you can somehow put like a lifelink on this guy, then you're getting three life every time you do one damage a place. Put death touch on him. And I mean, every pinger also has death touch, if you think of it that way, because like the pinger does one and then Gearson does two more death touch to that creature. I mean, if three isn't enough to kill it, now it is. Heck, Give this guy infect and now you can do one damage to a player and Gearson deals an extra two damage with infect to that player. That seems pretty cool too. And even something like Goblin Bombardment is an excellent enchantment. It's just one in a red, sack a creature, Goblin Bombardment deals one damage to any target. But now it deals three damage to that target. Strong, strong commander. But like, as I said, the Izzet commanders are bonkers. There's it's one called Magnus the Red, three blue red legendary demon Primarch. Primarch, Prim, Primarch. I think that's what it is. Anyway, big apology to anyone who loves 40k and I'm just butchering the names. I do apologize. I'm trying my best. For five mana, you get a four five with flying. I'm going to start with the second ability first. I'm going to end strong. Blade of Magnus. Whenever Magnus the Red deals combat damage to a player, Create a 3 3 red spawn creature token. Cool. Do some damage. I'm flying. I'll get a little creature token. The other ability is Unearthly Power. Instants and sorceries you cast cost one less for each creature token you control. What? What? Each creature token makes all your instants and sorceries one less. It is so easy to make creature tokens. And now we're casting X spells for almost nothing. Come on. You know Commander's Brew is all about secret Brutoclad decks. So now being a, making a secret Brutoclad deck, turning all those things into mirror, and now our instants and sorceries are like nothing. Just imagine something like this. I'm not even trying too hard. The deck's going to have all sorts of Talrans, Poppet Stitchers, all these creatures that whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, you make a creature token, which essentially means you're like, I want to say you're like Mizzix. Right, Mizix was broken. You can you can wreck with Mizix, but this is even worse because if you've got a couple of creatures, Talrand plus a young pyromancer, now every time you cast an instant or sorcery, the next one's getting too cheaper. And then we can play sorceries like Dragon Fodder or Krenko's Command to make two creature tokens each. 
those each cost one. I mean, if the first one costs two, the second one costs one. So now we're able to, we're actually able to play a lot of spells at once. We're probably drawing a ton of cards for like one mana at a time. Then we throw in an empty the Warrens, which is that storm card. It's a four mana storm card, three and a red sorcery, create two goblin creature tokens, but it has storm. So at this point, we're probably making another eight, something like that. We've spent six or seven mana. Now, what are we doing now? Are we, do we, do we have, how much mana do we have left over? Can we cast attempt with vengeance? It's a red X sorcery, but our X is up to like 15, 20. So like we're, we're paying a single red and we put that many red elemental creature tokens with haste down. Each opponent can put the same amount, but if they do, we put another batch down. So like it's one of those cards where everyone's supposed to say no, but sometimes people say yes, they won't if you have Magnus the red out. So now like. Now I've got so much, like, like if I've just got so much because creatures, my discount is through the roof. If that weren't enough, like maybe, you know, now you throw in a pull from tomorrow, blue, blue, draw 15 cards. Cool. Did I get a rise from the tides? Because that used to be five in a blue. Now it's just a single blue sorcery. Create a tapped two, two black zombie creature token for each instant and sorcery in your graveyard. That's even more creatures. That's even more of a discount. And are like, are we at the point where a comet store wins us the game? Comet storm. Did I call it a comet store? I would go to the comet store unless it's inhospitable. Anyway. Magnus the Red, come on, that's the one. That's the that's the MVP of the of the whole set for me. And that concludes the two color commanders. Let's talk about a few three color commanders. Marnius Kalgar, Esper, two white, blue, black, legendary Astartes warrior. You get a three five with double strike. Master technician, tactician, technician, master tactician. Whenever one or more tokens enter the battlefield under your control, draw a card. Cool. I have blue in my commander identity with this card, and so I'm not really planning on like drawing cards is so easy with blue, but just making tokens lets me draw them too. So I think we can have more room in the deck for more cards that do our thing. That's just kind of interesting. There's an ability to pay six, create two two twos with village vigilance. They are white Astartes warrior creature tokens. That's fine. Since you're drawing cards whenever one or more tokens enters the battlefield under your control it would might be interesting to run something like curse of disturbance uh two in a black or a curse enchant a player and whenever that player is attacked you create a two two black zombie creature token and each opponent attacking that player does the same so this is a way to get extra cards on other people's turns when other people are doing the attacking similarly curse of the restless dead two in a black enchant a player whenever a land enters the battlefield under that player's control you create a two two black zombie creature token with decayed so again if the tokens come in as a batch we draw one card whenever one or more tokens enters but if people are playing lands and making one zombie at a time we're going to be able to draw a card every time that way abaddon the despoiler grixis Two blue, black, red, legendary Astartes warrior, five, five with trample, five and a five, five with trample. Cool. This is the fun stuff. Mask of chaos ascendant during your turn spells you cast from your hand with mana value X or less have cascade where X is the total amount of life your opponents have lost this turn. Wow. Okay. So you, if, if you care to do this during your second main phase that means you've had a combat so you can make your opponents lose 
a fair bit of life maybe with this attacking creature maybe some other attacking creatures so i think getting this started is fairly easy your opponents want to stop you but i think you could manage and i don't think you need to do that much damage for this to be meaningful get you maybe if you could do five or six damage that means your opponents have lost five or six life that means everything that costs five or six whatever the number is cascades from your hand if we cast a, a spell and it cascades into a draw spell we will draw those cards and any of those cards we can cast from our hand to cascade some more i think you gotta build this deck either super low to the ground because if you only have like three one drops you're gonna cascade into them and all your twos will essentially be dead cascades i think you gotta load up on ones twos and threes so that everything cascades as you draw it and of course you're going to want to run stuff like goblin electromancer to make your instants and sorceries cost one less you're going to want to want storm kiln artists so that every time we cast an instant or sorcery we make a treasure token so like the first one makes a treasure and then if we cascade into another instant or sorcery that's a second treasure uh Bergy, god of storytelling gives us a red every time we cast any spell cascades do get cast they're not copies that get cast i mean there's a little bit of i think the way it works is you exile it and then you may cast that spell so the fact that it's coming from exile when you've cascaded into it is why cascade doesn't chain for infinity until you run out of spells to cascade into and so if we're looking to add things that reduce the cost of instances and sorceries, make us treasure, etc., etc., we're looking to chain together as many spells as possible. And that's that's storm. That's a like and cascade is perfect for storm because it, again, it's a cast that counts for your storm count. This this has got to be the new Grixis storm commander. If you want to brew storm in Grixis colors, this is your this is your guy right here you can cascade into those things that let like those little spells that untap a couple of lands after you've cast them you can start profiting mana that way yeah i think you can do some real damage with this card belacor the dark master three blue black red six five flying demon noble bit of a demon tribal commander here uh you've kind of got a war storm surge for demons or i guess terror of the peaks for demons does anyone play warstorm surge anymore anyway whenever another demon enters the battlefield under your control it deals damage equal to its power to any target and when this enters you draw x cards and you lose x life where x is the number of demons you control so presumably we i mean we want to be a demon tribal deck so i went to have a look at it and there's actually a fair number of demons that are worth playing that have mana value four or less you don't have to only run six drops to like have a demon deck uh varagoth the blood sky sire this is the three mana demon rogue uh it's from call time two three with death touch and it has both so if you get to attack you can pay one in a black and then you tutor up any card put it on top of your library carter doom scourge the uh the goad demon this is two red black for a four three again it's a four mana value one 
You got Nightmare Shepherd, the four mana flying 4-4 demon uh, that whenever a non-token creature you control dies, you can exile it and make a token copy of it, except it's 1-1 and has a nightmare in addition to its other types. Still a demon. Spawn of Mayhem is a four mana 4-4 flying trample demon, but you can cast it for spectacle of one black black, just three mana, as long as someone's lost damage this turn. So yeah, there's lots of demons out there. I, I don't know... I mean, it's interesting that it's Grixis because you're like, wait, are there blue demons? And yes, there are exactly six demons that have blue in their commander identity. And four of those six came from this very pre-con. I guess the blue is just in there for card draw, counter spells, that sort of thing. Okay, last one. This is a teamer legendary, Magus Lucia Kane, legendary human tyranid wizard, 1-1. One one for four. I'm shocked that this is a one one. Very frequently, these cards like we're getting pushed stats. Like like a, for four mana, I would expect this to be a four four. Anyway, here's what you get: spiritual leader at the beginning of combat on your turn, put a plus one plus one counter on target creature. That is the ability that I don't think we will use. I mean, we'll use it, but I don't think that's the interesting part. Here's the best part: psychic stimulus. Tap. Add two colorless mana. When you next cast a spell with X in its mana cost, or activate an ability with X in its activation, this turn, copy that spell or ability. You may choose new targets for the copy. Wow. So if y'all like Riku, this is just, this has got to be better than Riku. You're still in teamer colors, only instead of paying mana to copy things, and I guess you can't copy creatures, so that's different, but... You're copying all your X spells. I mean, that's what you want to do anyway, right? Just copy your X spells. You get two extra mana for it, and you get to copy the X spell. But this is this is the thing that is that sounds like very good. But let me remind you that there are a lot of creatures and artifacts that let you untap creatures. So every time we're able to untap Megas Lucia Kane, we can tap her again to add two more colorless mana, and we will copy it again. We're copying it again, and we're adding two more mana to the X because she makes two colorless mana. Imagine, you know, Comet Storm's come up a couple times. I'd be curious. I haven't looked at the full deck list. Is Comet Storm in here? It better be. Like, you can tap her, add two, untap her to four, untap her again, six. And I'm copying it three times. So that's four Comet Storms, X equals six, and all I've paid is for the red portion. I haven't even invested any other actual mana in it to do even more damage to copy it a bunch of times. Multi-kick it or whatever. Whew. There are some spicy commanders in this set. I just had a quick browse of the deck lists. Um, Lucia Kane to be able to copy X spells. No Comet Storm in that deck. This is mainly for a lot of creatures with X in their casting cost. Hydra type stuff. Well, thank you for sticking through. This is a this has been interesting. Um, those are my takes for the commanders, my thoughts on them. This is a very interesting release. I I do yeah, I mean, you tell me. Are you going to just get some singles out of here and start mixing and matching? Or are you gonna keep it separate and keep these decks together to play as is because they look super fun either way anyway slice it i need you to keep being you the world is a better place because of it i will see you next time